0: Okay, everyone stop recording.
1: Okay. It's been one week since my romantic.
0: Welcome to Abnormal Mapping, episode 32? 32. 32. That's an exciting number. Uh, I'm your host, Matthew Mark. With me, as you already heard, is uh, co-host Jackson Tyler. Hi. And uh, regular third chair, Destiny Servant. Hello, hello. That's right. We are Abnormal Mapping. We're here to talk about video games today. What's everybody been playing? Let's talk about that. The the answer is the same. (laughs) (laughs) What have you been
1: playing? Uh-huh. <coughs> Metal, gear? Metal, gear. Metal Gear? Metal Gear. That was wrong.
0: Metal Gear. Metal Gear?
2: Metal Gear? Metal Gear. Metal Gear. Metal <laughs> <laughs> Gear.
0: Can you do you can, can, can you do gear a Liquid too. Snake fake British voice?
1: Oh shit. I Give can't. me a Liquid Snake line. The DNA of the things that I am big boss. He does kind of this a lot. This is Liquid Snake. Come, voice. brother. Let us fight.
0: <laughs> it's very Liquid snake. I can't do no. it. Mine is Australian. Yeah.
3: <laughs> I can't do it.
1: I've been playing the Twin
3: Snakes.
0: How did you like, how did you find Twin Snakes, Jackson?
3: I love it.
0: Love uh, so me and Destiny went through Twin Snakes, and Destiny liked Twin Snakes quite a bit, right?
3: I did. Yeah. I, I thought it was super cool.
0: So uh, that means that normal mapping is officially pro twin snakes. I approve of this. I'm very pleased, considering the internet seems to poop on that game a lot.
3: I didn't know what to expect. I think it's goofy fun. It, it doesn't take itself too seriously, and I thought it did take itself too seriously before we played, and now I'm like, oh, I know better. Yeah, the um things that like
1: are legitimate complaints are totally legitimate complaints. Like having a first person camera breaks the game. But as someone who just wants to see cutscenes.
0: Yeah. Metal oh, gear cutscenes are fabulous. Metal gear games aren't games I want to play. They are a Kojima bullshit delivery system.
1: <laughs> exactly. That's a good way of putting it. Uh and please enjoy articles I'm writing as I go about the Metal Gear series I a
0: Well, the fir- the first one will be up by this by the time this goes up, clearly. Uh
1: probably not.
0: This I'm goes fr- up on the, this goes up in 2 weeks, Jackson.
1: Uh we'll see. I'm I might hold off until I'm like completely deeper. done. Yeah, because I don't want to get a bunch of people right. spoiling. That makes things. sense. That makes sense. Uh, but I'm writing them as I go, and there's going to be medical articles forever because I can't do anything by half.
0: Fair enough. That's uh, I understand that. Me and Destiny and know, are about yeah. uh, about maybe a third to half the way through Metal Gear Solid Two. So
1: I'm just saying
0: that's where we're at.
1: Because I said. I'm playing Metal Gear, and you went, oh, shit, we gotta get on this. And now (laughs) we're just
0: racing. So We had been planning on it. We had been planning on it. Like, this gave us a kick in the butt. I actually don't intend to race you, because I know you'll beat me. It's not a thing. But you playing Metal Gear reminded me I fucking love Metal Gear Solid. God, it's good. Metal Gear Solid 2 is better than I remember it. So that's exciting.
1: It is the perfect balance of anime bullshit of the highest order and complete serious, earnest, like, thematic stuff.
0: Also, the HD version of Metal Gear Solid 2 has the most hilarious introduced lag because of an HD version ever that you could have in a Metal Gear game. Did they like, not fix that? It's infuriating, it but in a hilarious annoying. way.
1: Oh, no! It lags oh.
0: for about four second, four or five seconds every time you get a codec call.
1: <laughs> no! <laughs> like, as it's you load comical. up the codec
0: screen, it takes time to populate the character models. <laughs> How does... How did this happen? It's amazing. I love it so much. I'm if- actually really fond of it in the same way that like the first time I played Final Fantasy V was the PlayStation version. So every time you like went to the menu, it lagged.
1: Yeah. What if Kojima just wanted that in there?
0: What if this was his vision? all <laughs> This is along. his vision. Yep. You know, whatever. I, Kojima seems like a person who would do that. I played through Nier. I feel like someday I want to talk about Nier with you folk.
1: You you do, but we got to play through Nier first
0: I know, Nier, Nier's really good If if you want to talk about the ending of near with me Please hit me up on Twitter via DM uh, Because I want to talk about The thing that I think the ending should have done And didn't, and I'm really annoyed Because none of the four endings do it I need to know, I need to know <laughs> Yeah, well, okay Maybe Nier 2 will address my concerns Probably won't
1: not, not doing it was just part of Kojima's plan all along
0: Yeah Kojima talked to Yokitoro and told him, hey, it'd be cooler if you just wore a moon mask, and B, (laughs) maybe don't do the thing that everyone's going to expect you to do.
1: Mm -hmm. I have not seen anyone else talk about the ending of Nier in the way you have, so maybe it's just you.
0: It might just be me, but I, th- I feel like the ending has like an asterisk over one action that should have like been filled in by, I was expecting it to be filled in after the first time and then none of the subsequent endings fill it in. I mean, they fill in a lot of other stuff that's great, but not the thing I was waiting for. So yeah. I
3: don't think you're alone in this. I think somebody's going to come out and agree with you.
0: Well, uh, I hope so because no one said anything, but it's really spoilery. So please just hit me up in DMs. I don't want anyone to even see it. Uh, or send me an email. Uh, and if it's labeled near, Jackson just won't read it Yep Send that to uh, podcast.abnormalmapping.com
1: Just put Subject line Vice you dumbass <laughs> That's
0: pretty good <laughs> Yep uh, Destiny, tell us about uh, What do you want to tell us about? Neko Atsumi or Tamagotchi oh. circa 2007? <laughs> <laughs> hey what what's the difference am i am i am i up top'm
3: up top up yeah uh, there's no, like they're actually quite Tamagotchi
0: different. is way more of a game
3: tamagotchi is super uh engaging in a way that Nekwatsume neckwasmate you are only engaging with it for short bursts of a time because mm-hmm. essentially all you're doing is buying stuff for your cats to populate uh the area with, and sometimes they're not there. Uh oh! I guess I should start from the top, huh?
0: Sure. Explain what both games are.
3: <laughs> Rewind. <laughs> the gum you like
0: will go back in style.
1: <laughs> Please enter side B.
3: Where I come from, there's always music in the air. Um. Anyway, so uh Atsume is the Japanese cat collecting game made by hit point and you can find that on ios or android and what you do is you're you're an entity that just has this home purely for cats to occupy it and what you do is you buy a you buy a bit of cat food with your your fish currency and you buy a few cat toys you lay them out in space you close the app and you check it every once in a while and cats are using the stuff you laid out and eating your food and you can take pictures of the cats. You can name the cats uh, and different items bring out different cats. So it's like a situation where you're essentially trying to like learn as you go what attracts what cat. Like I found out an item today. If you buy it, it looks like a little pyramid tent. And if you buy it, a cat that looks like a sphinx comes and sleeps in it. And that's exciting. Uh, oh, that's so cute. Yep, There's a little mountain climbing cat. If you put out uh, one of those cat condos, he comes out at the top of it.
0: Uh, um, so from like just watching you play it, Neko Atsumi seems like a street pass game without the street pass part.
3: <laughs> it's actually kind of true. Like you just kind of wait for cats to show up. And the only way you can lure them is with toys and food. And then sometimes they leave you gifts. Like it, has a counter of how many times a certain cat has visited you and when it's visited you a certain amount of times depending on the cat it will leave you strange gifts like uh a cat gave me a cicada shell another cat gave me some sort of uh hoop like a little plastic hoop another one left me I'm trying to think what was the other thing Uh I got some weird pellets from another one so pretty exciting okay. I have about 20 cats in my collection so far And they come at different times of the day and night. And I don't know. And my Tamagotchi is a
0: fourth genera- Oh, go on. I I wanted to- The last time I paid attention to Tamagotchi, which, if you don't know, our little plastic eggs, LCD screen, virtual pets, was the original series in the late 90s, right? I assume it was late 90s. Yeah,
3: 97, 96.
0: (sighs) Yeah, around the same time Pokemon washed upon our shores, which is why I never got into Tamagotchi. Um- even though it seems like a thing, I'd be really into from the outside. They're so different. Uh, yeah, but like I like cute things, and I I think Pokemon just filled that void for me. Um, Got it. But when I last checked, you you hatched an egg. It pooped. You cleaned the poop. You fed it food. You stuck a needle in it when it was sick, and that's about all it did.
3: Uh the and, the original Tama, you did play games. With, okay, but. There was only, like, one kind of game, if I remember correctly, and I can't even remember what it was. Mm -hmm. It was some sort of, like, game where you had to predict which direction the Tamagotchi would point in after a certain amount of time. And so,
0: last night, when we were having dinner, you said, Oh, my Tamagotchi got rejected for so many jobs, but now he's a teacher, and my brain exploded.
2: (laughs) Excuse me? My My
3: Tamagotchi finally got a job. Finally.
0: So tell me okay. what Tamagotchi is in 2007.
3: Well, okay, I, as a joke, in 2007, I asked my mom for a Tamagotchi in my Christmas stocking, and I got it because they used to sell them at the Walgreens, uh, for like 15 bucks, but now, they only seem to sell them outside of the US, with the exception of Hot com, which, like, just sold out of them, and the new generation of Tamagotchi uh, is building off of the one I have. So they, they mate. There's a mechanism that allows you to bump Tamagotchis with another Tamagotchi user. And then like your Tamagotchis can hang out with each other. Kind of like old timey Game Boy games, uh, without the wiring. They, uh, go to school when they're kids, when they grow up, there's like, essentially you play games for points you can buy items with points to raise certain attributes, and then the attributes lead to them getting certain careers. And I have a version for Tamagotchi Connection, which is the 2007 version, and it does all that stuff, but it's kind of limited because uh, when I originally bought it, you could get tons of points by playing games on a website that connected with the, the unit, and of course the website... Uh, is offline now. It's been offline since like 2011, so <laughs> I can't get as many points. So my com- my Tamagotchi can only get so many things. Uh Like I don't have enough points to buy it a plane ticket to Japan. Oh, because there's a little shop in the game, by the way. <laughs> it's still and... the three button tiny dot screen, right? Uh huh. Still
1: Tamagotchi. Uh, great. This is great. This is the best. The
3: new the new, new new ones that are out in Japan right now actually come out in color, and you can buy nope, those for like. Far. <laughs> you can buy them for like 40 bucks on Amazon. They're a lot bigger than the old eggs. Uh, my Badland Girls co-host Ria Dauhauer has one of the English language ones that you bought off, that you can buy off of Hot Topic and she, hers is like, they don't die anymore. That's one difference between hers and mine. Like, when mine gets old, it, it can get made it off and it can have a kid and leave me with a kid or it can get sick and die and then I have to re- I have to reset the Tamagotchi, whereas Ria's, it just has the kid and leaves and never dies, even though it can get sick and be angry and stuff. So Um, yeah, Tamagotchi's have come a long way, and yes, it is a lot more of a game than uh, Neko Atsume.
0: I like that the options are death or deadbeat parent.
3: (laughs) Me too, I appreciate that. It's pretty funny. They're still super cute, though. I I really like my, my little guy. I'll have to up tweet some more uh, i want to point out
0: that over dinner last night you said i'm sad that he grew up into such an ugly tamagotchi
3: that's because (laughs) the the way you treat them affects how they look
0: well what does that say about you
3: why i just what what happened was the night his egg hatched (laughs) i forgot about him because we ended up watching the e3 conferences so by the time he went to bed he was like sick and starving and there was a ton of poop on the screen you chose deadbeat parent.
0: Yep. It's better than <laughs> choosing death, I guess. Uh, yeah. Yeah,
3: He did, he's still with us. His, his name is Lol and he's alive. And that, so he's going to leave me with a baby. That
1: death or deadbeat parent's choice is it's really hard in The Witcher 3. It's full of grilling moments.
4: <laughs>
0: I'd always choose deadbeat parent. Every, every time. Every choice is better than death, Jackson.
1: There isn't a single one that couldn't be. <laughs> yep.
0: <Yeah. laughs>
4: no, this no, is like our
1: guiding life philosophy. Yep.
0: Yeah. <laughs> Well, that's what we've been playing. Let's actually talk about the thing we're here to talk about then. We're here for the second part of Final Fantasy VIII. I guess kind of the last episode of the RPG Explorers Club, because we're not doing this ever again.
1: (laughs) Well, when we play an RPG, we'll still call it. We can still bust out that image because it's the best.
0: Okay. Um,
1: But we're all here all the time now, so maybe we are always the RPG Explorers Club.
0: But we're not going to always play RPGs. I mean, I'll always be playing a RPG somewhere. Somewhere. That's the life I live. Somewhere, I'm playing. I'm, I'm playing two of them play. currently right now, and neither of them are game club games. So I've really fucked up. Somewhere <laughs> sitting
1: on a Vita is a Persona Four Golden save you never finished.
0: No, I beat that game. I know you did, but you were playing it for so long. <laughs> I know, but I beat that game. You did it. You got it out of your. Life. I got every Persona in that game. Also, oh, well, you were going you in for the trophies. I didn't. I wasn't going for hundred percent. I was just going to fill my compendium.
3: Nice. Oh my God. That's yeah, impressive. I didn't know you did that.
0: Yeah. That's why I have, like, 90 hours on that save. <laughs>
3: you don't say. I mean, I, I had about 90 hours when I played it on the PS2, but, like, I didn't do all that. I was also
0: playing on Very Easy, so I was level 99 by the fourth dungeon, and it still took me 90 hours. <laughs> so,
1: <laughs> Sounds like Persona. Yeah. Uh, but
0: we're what here if... to talk about th- a different RPG, an older RPG. We're here to talk about Final Fantasy VIII. So, we start. We started playing at, uh... In the, the late la- 70s. <laughs> no. <laughs> what was the last thing that happened when we stopped the first time? Oh, we no, fought Norc. Or- the fight. Yeah, we Nork. fought Norc. So, who wants to recap what happens in the second half of Final Fantasy VIII?
3: Wait a minute. Well, we should me- try this
1: together. Me <sighs> and Jackson. Okay. Cause I, so, I restarted the game.
0: Oh, right. Um, because...
1: Both Destiny and I were like, fuck this bullshit forever, and went and found a preloaded save on the internet, so we didn't have to grind anymore.
0: So, secret villain admission, I also did this.
3: Dun dun dun! The save
0: I gave Destiny was my save, because I was splitting saves in case she needed a save that was full of all the things.
3: And he did, he gave me all the things. He gave me 100 of all the magics, and... Um what else did I have on that save? Oh, he also had the same team as I did, which we only played with Quistis, Quistis, Squall and Renoa.
1: Yep. Yep. That's the good team. Good job.
3: And uh I had everything but the Guardian Forces. I had to go through and get those Guardian Forces. My, and I got all but one. My
0: teenage team for the record was Quistis, Selfie and Squall. That's pretty good. Surprise. Yeah, when I,
3: have, <laughs> when I couldn't have when I couldn't have Renoa in my party, I always picked Selfie.
0: So, summarize what happened between the Norg fight and the end.
1: Okay, hang on, here we go. So, Norg (laughs) fight happens, uh, a boat shows up. A boat's like, Mm -hmm. we need alone. And alone goes with them, and you're like...
0: You're like, alone? Alone? Where?
1: Alone, yeah. And you learn it, I didn't realise at the start but you learn then that she's the one that's been transporting you back to Laguna and she says she can only do it with people she's met and she can like influence people's uh, lives that way
0: mm-hmm. and she
1: goes off with them ostensibly to go to Idea, the sorceress but why isn't clear and then you hang on
0: Hang to be up. fair, you think she's going to be captured by a deer, and that is not actually what's happened.
1: No, I like I know what happens with that okay. later. Uh but what happens right
0: next? You go you, to... bo- you run into fisherman's horizon.
3: Oh right. You gotta help out that fisherman, the master fisherman.
0: That is... that that should not rate in our summary, or we'll be here all night.
3: Oh, okay, okay. So Oh, but the band they play they they play music. Don't leave that out. Oh my god. There's that romantic <laughs> Uh, Irish song, yeah, yeah, the Irish jig. <laughs>
0: God damn it!
1: The Irish jig is going at a music break. It's not Zelle playing
3: the saxophone. So. If you were me, and you picked the uh, slow jam or whatever the heck, fifties going
0: steady dance version of Eyes yes. on Me,
3: the Twin Peaks Eyes on Me <laughs> remix. Yeah, Zell playing the saxophone is the greatest image of all time. Yep, agreed. Irvine like, I
1: was born for this day, I'm going to found a band. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Irvine was like,
0: I was born for this day, I'm going to impress a girl, actually.
1: That's that's true, that's true. Okay, I'm going to try to sum up the events of the rest of the game in less than a minute. Okay. Okay, so, Fisherman Horizon happens, and then you basically go off in search of... uh, Idia's armies, who are in Blam, you find out that Raijin and Fusion are working with everyone, and then eventually you uh, end up at the Trabia Garden, where you find out that you all knew each other as kids and were adopted um, and were orphans together, everyone except Renoa, uh, and you fight and in a war of the gardens, and there's bicycles. Shit, I'm running out of time. Uh, d- d- uh what happens next? I've forgotten. Oh, no! she- you beat <laughs> Adia, she-,
0: she becomes good, Renoa falls into a coma, you're not sure why, you go to S-Star to find out. S-Star sends you to the moon, because that's where Alone is, in space. And oh, in you space.
1: Mean, hang on, hang on, I have the episode title of this episode. Hmm. You ready to, ready to hate me?
0: Yeah, because I already thought I had yeah. a name, but okay.
1: Alone
3: in the Dark.
0: Nope, it's not gonna be that.
3: Hey oh. uh, up, up top. Alone in the dark side of the moon?
0: Nope. <laughs> no, no, you're both wrong.
1: This is what we did. Anyway.
0: So. No, you go to the moon to meet Alone, and Alone takes you into the Renoa's past, and you find out that when you beat Adia, the sorceress attached, the sorceress that's from the future, Ultimisha, attached herself to Renoa, and Renoa's now a sorceress, and then as you try to fix this, you discover that Esthar has, uh, experience dealing with sorceresses because once upon a time, Laguna came and defeated the sorceress in Estar and then became president of Estar and he helps you out and you, def- you get the sorceress out of Renoa and achieve time compression to go into the future to fight the boss and then you do that and then everyone gets lost until they're found again and live happily ever after the end.
1: Oh my god. The best part of that story is it's only in like the final 10 hours of this 50 hour game you actually know what the, the thrust of the plot is and it's only in the final seconds that any of it makes sense.
0: Yeah, pretty much. As, <laughs> as I said, as I, was, as I was talking to Jackson about it, as he was beating the game, Final Fantasy 8 is a game that does not stop delivering the revelations until the very last moment.
1: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Yep. Mm-hmm. And then... I didn't realize that this game was anime Doctor Who as well.
0: Mm, I guess it is. I never really thought about it. It's not anywhere as much Doctor Who as Final Fantasy XIII 2 is.
1: No, but the entire plot of the game is a infinitely repeating time loop. uh And school sets the events of the game in I don't, motion.
0: I don't consider it an infinitely repeating time loop. You are just in the... Like, you live through the time loop and then you exit the other side and it's over. Oh,
1: I don't mean like you're trapped in it, but... It's infinite if you then follow, uh, Adia.
0: Sure. Like, but the, Adia also exists on the other side of the time loop.
1: Yeah, no, it's a, it's a, it's a loop with two, with it's a loop on a roller coaster. This mm. is a good metaphor.
0: I don't even think it's a loop. It's just, it involves time travel. That's all.
1: No, the, the end of it is the beginning of it. That's a loop.
0: It's the beginning of the things that set the plot in motion, but the game has a clear start and end point in linear time.
1: Yeah, but. It's still a time loop. He goes back to the beginning of the story and makes the sure.
0: story happen. I guess, Come on. to me, like a time loop is something that you're trapped in like circularly. Uh, and this game is not that. You do the loop-to-loop and you exit the other side.
4: Mm-hmm.
1: That is true. That is fair. Anyway. Mm-hmm. Final Fantasy VIII, everybody.
0: So, how does everybody feel about Final Fantasy VIII now that we're on the other side? Does everyone still love Laguna?
1: Yes.
3: Um. Yeah, he's adorable. And he's like... <laughs> Kind of a sad dad.
0: he's the saddest dad.
1: <laughs> Laguna's life is summed up by making bad decisions out of the like kindest places imaginable, and it leading to just endless heartbreak. But he's just kind of okay with it and rolls with it. And oh, I love Laguna so much. So,
0: I guess we might as well get into it. To me. The, like, Laguna's story is that, but also it's because he made the choices that he believed in, even though they led to, like, his personal, like, ruin, like, as a human being, that that enable, that enable the successes of the, like, the the generation below him. Mm -hmm. And so much of the game to me is this idea that, like, achieving dreams and, like, realizing, like, what you think you want to do internally is not Necessarily able to be achieved by like a single entity.
2: Yeah. Right. And it
0: has, like, it can be generational.
2: Well,
1: thematically, the entire game to me is about like interdependence. Mm hmm. Uh, and in like a thousand different ways, the ways that people, uh, cannot exist without each other. Uh, which the ending is that in, they just do the end of 2001. It's amazing. Uh, but. (laughs) Like from the start of the game's that, like, um the way GFs work and mm. uh everything about the school's distance at the start of the game and how that leads into his like opening up romance with Renault. Like the entire game is about that always, and I think it's thematically great.
0: Okay. So the GFs is the thing that I feel like most people who pl- like criticize Final Fantasy 8 point out is the story's biggest weak point, in that all these people forgot that they grew up together and we're supposed to believe that and like t- take it as like a- just a part of this story. <laughs> how That's does everyone probably, feel?
3: That probably. Well, oh, definitely go. I like how they gave it a reason, and it wasn't just something that because I was getting upset when it was revealed because I thought. They just forgot, and we're just supposed to accept that. But at least they kind of tried to make sense of it by saying, well, the GFs made us forget. Like, having mm-hmm. to have these junction powers screwed up our memory about this specific
0: thing. Also, uh, it's a thing that I talked about in the first episode of these eight podcasts. But the game actually tells you in the beginning tutorial, like Squall's Computer Terminal, that there are scientific rumors or, like, discussion of whether or not GFs cause long-term memory loss, but no one's sure or not.
3: I forgot all about that. And I, rem- you know, I remember when I
1: said either to you or last episode it's cool that this is just a character piece and there's nothing like amnesia (laughs) and and, and then there was a point where I got to Estar and I was like what are they going to just have like a time travel fight on the moon or something now and then they go to the moon and do the time travel fight stone facing
0: your expectations (laughs) for this game or my favourite thing because you basically always shot exactly where that game was going but you thought you were being ridiculous (laughs) (laughs) yep yep it pretty great. But no, uh, so what's interesting to me is that so much of eight eight's emotional core, I think, relies upon having an unreliable narrator. Like, Squall is a character who doesn't understand the people around him. Yeah. And it brings you into his headspace first and foremost. And so having, like, a formal rele- revelation about his past and everyone else's past, like, helps underline the point that the things you're being told are not necessarily true, which is why the second half of the game is so much... Like, people explaining that the way you thought the world was isn't the way the world is.
4: Mm-hmm.
1: I think the complaints about that, I assume, are, like, the same people who think school is bad because he's sad or something. Like, it's a mm. very surface-level read of, uh, this is a shocking thing or a thing that I am pushed away from without considering the thematic implications of it. Like, it... Go ahead. You, you... Oh, no, I was going to say, like... like I am fine with a plot like pulling out something like a massive coincidence or something ridiculous if it's like purposeful in terms of its themes.
0: Mm -hmm. It's weird to me because I also don't, I've never thought of Squall as a sad character.
1: No, like that's a completely, like the things that I was pushed away from from school are not the things that everyone else says why school this sucks. And I was like, how do people have such a bad read on school?
0: Like he's when- he's a character with like a lot of like barriers and he like enforces emotional distance sometimes through like outright like cruelty, but usually just indifference. And like it's the breaking down of that and him learning how to open up and trust people. Like that's Squall's journey, not like a sad guy to a happy guy. Yeah. Like, the end of the game has Squall smiling like Cloud Smiles at the end of Advent Children, but it's a different <laughs> journey, and it means like more to me, anyway, as someone who identifies a lot with Squall.
1: Uh, you know what? Meaning more to someone than the end of Advent Children.
0: It's a low as, bar.
1: As bars go. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, I, that's fair. <laughs> um The thing playing this game again that uh interested me is how much... They don't address, but it backfills Irvin's motivations a lot yeah. in that, like, you're left, like, you're introduced to this guy who's like, I'm the cool sniper. And then when he has his one task in the plot, he can't do it. And you're kind of left, like, thinking this guy's a loser. But when you get to the revelations, it's he never used GF until he started you. So started hanging out with you guys. So he remembered everything. And since no one else was mentioning it, he was like, I'm just not going to bring it up, I guess. And when he saw Adia as his like target, he's like, oh, I recognize exactly who that is. I can't pull the trigger on the person who raised me.
3: Yeah, that was amazing. Like the way that that was uh, later pointed out. Mm -hmm. And then you go back and you think, oh, of course he wouldn't kill her. That wasn't just him being a wuss Mm -hmm. or flaking out on Squall. That's him just... He knew what he knew. Yeah,
0: but to Squall, it's like another—it's mm-hmm. like a Seifer level betrayal of this is the person who was supposed to be on the ball and wasn't.
1: Ah, hmm, I disagree with that. I think
0: I think the way Squall treats Irvin is like you were supposed to be the guy who could get it done, and you can't get it done. I guess I'll have to go get it done. Like he's always presented
1: that he's, way. I feel uh, like I feel like Squall's treatment of Irvin is like actually one of the kinder moments of Squall in the early game. Mm. Like he's. He, he, he does the thing, but he doesn't dig into him or tell him he's wrong. That's he true. just goes Like, I actually think the, the school's moments in the heist, or not the heist, the, the big assassination set piece of that game with Irvin, like, Serve was one of the f- first humanizations mm. of his character as learning to be a leader.
0: So, it might be interesting in that, like, you're right when I think about it, but, like, I remember the first time I played this game hating Irvin after this point. So I wonder if that says more about me than it does the text.
1: That's similar to my thing with the Quistus subplot.
0: Mm-hmm. Did we talk about that last podcast? No, do you I wanna, don't remember. Do you want to talk
1: about it again? So, uh, the, the the scene in with Quistus in the early part of the game mm. is the setup of School's dismissive attitude or something. Like it's it is very clearly the scene that they are building off of when they. Uh, uh, building up to schools opening up because later. Do you in want the game... to set?
0: Do you want to set up the actual scene? Like what happens? Yeah,
1: uh, it's the scene where um, he talks to Quistus. Eustis has is no longer an instructor, and she's like, "I'm I'm no longer a teacher. I I feel like I had a failure. I think
0: I, I want. I feel like it's important to me to point out that on the night of his seed graduation, she takes him to the garden secret makeout spot to tell him these things.
1: Yeah, she does that. Which, for some... Like, I didn't read it as her hitting on him in the way that you do.
0: So, Uh, continue on.
1: So, it's basically, she says, I need... um, What does she say? She says, here are my problems. I don't feel like a leader. She's, like, insecure about her abilities as a leader. She's insecure about her abilities as a leader. And school has been this character who she's got a pre-existing relationship with, which it's already established that through his silence and her ability to anticipate what he does say when he speaks, she misreads for like an under, a shared understanding and when she attempts to emotionally connect on that and say, here's this thing I need, he tells "Uh, uh go talk to a wall or she says like, I need something, and he says well, why don't you go talk to a wall instead Yeah. and to me that was like the cruelest thing a person could say, and to you it's the cruelest thing a person can say from the other angle.
0: So to me, like, Squall, because he's a character who essentially raised himself, like, he, he had this sister that disappeared, and he, like, he forgot, like, that he had a sister, but he remembers that he had the idea of a sister, even. Yeah. Like, he remembers the loss, even if he doesn't remember the person. Mm-hmm. Um, and then he's in this garden as, like, this really, like, of all the children, he's He's positioned as a loner even as a child and like he's been raising himself as like I'm going to take the adults in my life and aspire to be like them. Like people who are characters that I look up to, like I need to imbue myself with their qualities to like meet their approval and to be self-sufficient and that's really important to him. And so. Like, Quistus is a character who is that for him, like, she's his teacher, she fills the role of, this is a person who, ha- like, is part of my ideological, like, how I, who I am and what I look for, like, how I raise myself, and, be- like, she comes to him in this moment, like, after he's done all these things and he's reached his point and the other person that he felt like the only person he actually felt like kinship with Seifer didn't graduate. Like I, I made it and he didn't. And I thought like we were rivals and he was like my better because he like idealized Seifer too. And she comes to him in this moment where he's like really turbulent about his future and says, I actually see us as peers. And here's all of this weakness that like you, like Squall internalizes, like all this weakness of stuff that he feels like people that are in positions of power should have already like scoured out of themselves because that's how he thinks about the world.
1: Yeah. And to me, it comes across as like him, his inability to bet uh, on, like accept other people's weaknesses, like reflects back on them. And he just denies their, like the right of them to be human beings.
0: But Uh, they're they're not like, so um, we're, we're talking, we're going to talk, we're going to, I want to go to break shortly here, but, uh when we come back, I want to talk about Seifer's romantic dream, but this is, like, that's Squall's mm-hmm. romantic dream. That yeah. people that, like, the that you can live by ideals. Like, that's why he has, like, the ring that is, like, the Griever that mm-hmm. Ultimisha like, pulls out of his mind at the end where Griever is, like, this aspiration of, like, this lone lion that he's like, this is a thing that is cool that I can, like, live, like, I can imbue myself with this image and feel okay with it. Like, you know, like, you look at like he's squall Leonhart and Leonhardt isn't Rain or Laguna's name. Like he he gave that name to himself, probably. Mm-hmm. Like he has this idea of like being lionhearted as part of his persona. And like that's a thing he built in himself and doesn't know how to let go of until other people like slowly show him that it's okay.
1: Yeah, and the the game doesn't <clears throat> position his like response in this scene as the correct thing. In fact, it explicitly positions it as the like the scene that it's calling back to when his character evolves mm-hmm. but it never resolves that specifically with quistis no it, it doesn't resolve that like how he you, changes with Renault.
0: like if you want to say hey this game kind of dumps everyone who isn't Renault in Squall," i'll 100 percent agree with you because it does
1: like literally, all I wanted is for school to acknowledge that Renoa had uh, that uh, Questas has been hurt by him and say and like I, I just apologize for it. And I I just couldn't understand why that never occurred to him or the game, mm-hmm. and why Renoa was fine with it,
0: mm-hmm. and
1: why the Le- Questas was fine with it. And she's clearly not because it like just gives her the saddest lines out of nowhere. Like when they come back from the moon, she just says to school like probably unfairly like this goes oh I wish someone would do that for me. Anyway, let's go find everyone. <laughs>
4: Yeah,
0: <laughs> yeah.
1: But yeah, that that that's uh, our conflict with that scene. I think. Uh.
0: But I think we both understand where the other person comes from at this point.
1: Yeah, like I was worried it was going to get heated, but we've just like talked about this scene. No, we had the about. version
0: of this where we were yelling at each other. It mm-hmm. happened a couple like two weeks ago.
1: <laughs> yep, yeah. because it needed to happen, but not here.
0: Yeah, no, that would be bad. What a relief. So, uh, let's take a break and come back and talk about Seifer and his romantic dream. Maybe one day he'll tell you about it.
1: Ah, uh, you should have said maybe one segment. God damn it. <laughs> <laughs>
3: Yeah I am.
0: Okay. Um Destiny. Yeah. Tell me about your romantic dream.
3: My romantic dream is that Squall could have hugged Renoa when they got off of the out of the whole moon danger situation. But I understand that was really bad timing. I mean they they cuddle
0: like twenty minutes later in the cockpit. So That's
3: true, it's pretty cute. I I got what I wanted really. I shouldn't complain <laughs> It's a weird moment because I'm like wait I thought school had already turned
1: into I need Renoa right now And the second he gets like Renoa's okay He's like right back to being school again For about 20
0: minutes yeah. But then he re- like I think like he realizes That's not like she knows That he's not that person a- Anymore and he mm-hmm. like Realizes it
3: I think so too
0: But it takes a while to realize That you're different that is accurate. <laughs> he's mm-hmm. a changed man. So Destiny, you've been kind of quiet. Do you want to talk a little bit about sure. stuff? Um, um, do you have something in specific? Or can, no,
3: I, you can...
0: Uh, tell me how you feel about Seifer.
3: Seifer is... He's a little complicated. Because I feel like he starts out... This guy that just wants to be in charge of stuff. And he, he likes... Like, he likes being a seed because it affords him a certain kind of stature and power and he's got his little posse, but then he kind of lets this whole sorceress thing become what he's about. And I don't think he actually like what's in it for him. He gets to.
0: So I think like Seifer, like Squall has like these emotional vulnerabilities. Like, No kid who runs around is a bully, like doesn't have vulnerabilities and him being like this orphan who then grows up to be like someone who needs like he's in the disciplinary committee and you imagine that he wouldn't be in that committee if he wasn't like actually good at holding things in order. Right. And like it expresses itself through bullying and he's a jerk, but like you get the sense that that's really important to him. And he ends up throwing it, like, he makes that gesture to Renoa, where he's like, I'm going to assassinate the president for you, isn't this what you want? And then goes with the, and when she says no, like, don't do it like this, like, he goes with the sorceress, because I think, like, deep down, he just wants, like, actual validation, I think specifically, like, from a, like, a mother figure. He he wants to, like,
1: be the right arm of someone.
0: Yeah, but, like, the idea of, like, a sorceress's knight... That they bring up, uh like he wants, like the va- like especially, like specifically, I think a mother figure in that, like Squall and the others, he doesn't remember his childhood, but then he ends up at the right arm of the actual woman who raised him, and he doesn't remember her.
3: Right? Yeah, it's kind of an interesting development.
0: And he has these friends who are willing to go along with him, but even they realize like it's gone too far. Like he's driven by something that isn't the thing that he professed as his ideal.
3: Right, he doesn't really want it. He just, he lets, he gets blindsided by this other desire. Mm-hmm. He's also being
1: controlled by the sorceress in the back half.
0: Yeah, sure. That's true, too. But, like, being controlled, like, I don't, like, he's not possessed the way, like, Renoa is.
1: Well, the implication to me was that when Renoa got possessed, Sifo was kind of being possessed as well. Like, I, I got it until the... I like thought he was the...
3: possessed before that. Like,
0: oh, like I, I to me he was never possessed. He just oh. believed in it.
1: Oh, to me that was him until the uh, school. And everyone beat Renoa, uh, beat Adia, and then because by the end of the game you have to destroy him in order to get Altamicia. Uh, Adele
0: to Adele specifically. Like, oh. when Adia becomes good, he just then drifts onto Adele as the thing, like, the, sort, the figure he's going... Like, he's just looking for bigger and bigger figures to ally himself with.
3: Yeah. I just don't understand what he thinks... Like, I don't get why that he, like, aligning himself with that gets him anything.
1: And I honestly think the understanding of Sifa relies on you Intimately understanding school because they don't really explain Seifer. No, they explain school's reaction to Seifer. So if there's a disconnect between you and school, then you're going to be like, "Hang on, Seifer even more confusing because you really only perceive him through school's eyes."
0: Mm-hmm. But like, Seifer is this character who, like, he goes around and like forces things to be in control because, like, the only people who do that are people who like need control because they don't feel in control. Yeah. And then, if you look at Renoa to Adia to Adele, like, all he needs is someone who needs him. Mm -hmm. And, like, that desire grows bigger and bigger. Like, it outstrips Fujin and Raijin. It outstrips, like, all of his ambitions as a seed. Like, his romantic dream is just to, like, be needed. And, like, it just brings him to, like, this darkest point where he's just, like, wrecked at the end of, like, the world, basically, in Lunatic Pandora waiting for you to show up.
1: And on some level... Uh, like I completely understand what you mean by that when you said uh the school thinks he's the same as Seifa when really he's the complete opposite of Seifa. Uh, because we were having some real talk off the mic and I I think I said something like uh I understand what it's like to like be driven to try the hardest for the person who is the worst to you because Mm -hmm. you want them to need you Mm -hmm. and Seifa has a bit of that in him.
0: Yeah, and Squall sees his ambition and like. The control he imposes on the world is like, oh, Seifer must be deep down, like, the most in control person. Mm -hmm. Not realizing that Squall, like, actually has achieved that control to the point where he can't, like, engage with humanity. Mm -hmm. Whereas Seifer is the most vulnerable, which is why he falls so far.
1: Yeah. I think that might be why, in the ending cutscene, the fact that it takes the time to say and Seifer's response to this is just to say wait i had two best friends i can just hang out with them like that yeah.
0: i i like that uh fujin gets the moment where she like shows up and just delivers the speech to him hey seifer what are you doing like yeah.
3: who what happened to you man
0: mm-hmm You used to be about the music. <laughs> <laughs> but, but like, as he's like left with nothing, he's like, Oh, you're right. Let's just go fishing. And like, Seifer is just like this like frustrated little kid on the dock squatting there fishing is I think like appropriate place for him to like be and end up. Like, it's pretty he great. gets, he gets like an, like an earnest moment with his friends in a way that like he never probably had.
1: Yeah, it was. It was like that was one of my favorites. The ending, just because, it was glad that they like they could have totally forgot about Sifa after that point and not showed Mm -hmm. him in the cutscene because so much other shit is going on that we've not even got to yet because this game has the most complicated ending of all time. Uh, But yeah, it it made me happy to see that Sifa Sifa learning that he just all he he had what he needed and it was two best buds.
4: Mm Hmm, it's
1: pretty great.
0: Yeah. Power
3: corrupts,
1: great. y'all. Yeah? I'm all about the power of friendship.
0: Well, the, you have it. You so, want to... You want to? Go ahead, Destiny.
3: Oh, I just said so is Laguna. He's all about that power of friendship. I suppose so. <laughs>
1: I don't think that's what Laguna's about, but kind of.
3: Well, he gives that little talk about how to get... At, with the time compression stuff. Mm-hmm. He's mm-hmm. like, well, the way to make your way out of the mess is to focus on who you want to be with and what place you want to be with them.
0: So this gets the thing that I really want to talk about, which is as you go, as you defeat Adele and achieve the time compression, like the last thing Renoa says to you is like, I, I'm worried I'm the one everyone's going to forget, but we'll have to try our best anyway. And it's just taken as like, oh, clearly like, since she's not the one who everyone grew up with, like, she's maybe the one who's going to get forgotten. And when you actually achieve your goal and, like, defeat Ultimisha, it's not her that's the problem. It's Squall that gets lost because he's a character that, like, until very recently, like, no one actually knew because he was so locked up. I saw that coming
1: from about four hours away.
0: I know. But <laughs> I think that it's amazing and, like, the final, like, completion of his arc that was necessary. For
1: yeah. That. No, it's great. It's a great, it's the ending it always would have had.
0: Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, like, he ends up, like, lost in the time vortex. And the only, the only thing that Squall can, like, go to, like, the only time that he felt like himself was as that child, like, wishing for this sister that it disappeared. Mm -hmm. And so that's how he ends up, like, starting this whole thing in motion.
1: Oh, that scene is ridiculous because it didn't even need, like. Which scene? (laughs) The scene Where where he goes
0: back to the orphanage.
3: Oh, I really liked that scene.
1: It's, it's a cool scene, but specifically the part where it's the loop, uh, like that's such a throwaway thing in the context of what that ending's actually about.
0: hmm. No, I mean, it's the last piece of like the formal puzzle of why Altamisha, like why Altamisha had to reach back through time to achieve time compression is that she needed to like access the person who had her powers and then passed it on to other people. hmm. Like if you go from, like, Ultimisha, or if you go from, like, Adea to Renoa, like, you get the arc of, oh, these are the characters who had Ultimisha's power.
3: Yeah. It also gives Squall, like, one last moment to kind of, rem- like, he has to remember that, like, oh, once, you know, you had someone in your life that, uh, you know, uh, I can't think of what I'm going to say, but just like seeing his childhood self and seeing himself being taken care of, I think was a key thing for him.
0: Mm -hmm. Like, I also think like, it's really important. Like he sees himself at this really traumatic time where it's like the things Squall built his like defenses around and all of the things that made Squall Squall were built around this idea. Oh, I'm abandoned and I need to deal with it. And when uh, like Adia worries after kids Squall, Squall's like, don't worry, he'll be all right. And that acknowledgement that, Hey, like, like nineteen-year-old squall actually is all right is like a big deal.
4: Mm-hmm.
3: I agree.
0: And then he wanders through, like abstract cinema, for a little bit.
2: <laughs> blah, blah, blah.
1: <laughs> <laughs> a modem goes off, and <laughs> like there's the sound of a, a, a thousand people hitting the lid of a frying pan, and you just. <sighs> That final cutscene, specifically the first half of it, might be just formally as a work of uh, visual communication, the most evocative cutscene I've seen.
0: Yeah, no, it's it's like, it is the most pure cinema moment of video games, I think. It's pretty
1: great, I loved it. And it comes after, like, it's the
0: conclusion to...
1: It's fifty hours of people monologuing nonstop,
0: <laughs> like monologuing and internal monologuing. Yep. Also, and to just have this moment where, like, you see people speak, but they aren't—they aren't voiced. Like, it's not just the technology because they could do that; they choose not to. Mm-hmm. Like, Squall and Renoa call out to each other, but there is no voice to it. Mm-hmm. I love versus that. versus like the credits like video where everyone's pantomiming. No one's actually trying to speak in that. Yeah, and I think like that difference is actually really important to those things. Like these are characters who don't have voices versus characters who don't who who don't talk. Period. Like well, that's different. You do
1: know, I assume you know what they're saying. Like, they that last cutscene is a callback to all the words at the beginning of the game, right? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Uh, mm-hmm. realizing that the end cutscene tied into the first cutscene that you saw about seven years ago, mm-hmm. <laughs> I wouldn't have done that if I hadn't started again.
0: Yeah. No, no, no. The, the flower fields and, like, you need to meet me here and all that stuff is there.
1: Yeah, they just give you the final dialogue of the game the first thing you see, and it just looks like nonsense at the start. <laughs> mm hmm. It's pretty good. The stuff yeah. with the feather that you, like, see fly in at the start, you're like, what's that? What What's going on? Hang on.
0: Sorcerer's powers.
4: Yeah.
0: Renoa has that ability. Mm hmm. Faceless squall. And uh Dead in Space Renoa, yeah. Also pretty good. <laughs> <laughs> like all that stuff, like just the the whirlwind of it is great.
3: There's a lot going on. Like
0: just the recursive Renoa walking into frame from the waltz over and over again. Yeah, yep, that's pretty great. As she like begins to dissolve, that is so good.
3: It's it's like really unnerving. Mm-hmm. And then just making the same gesture and then like over and over, and then you notice like she does it at the very end of the game. Mm-hmm. And the music slowing
1: down and down and down.
0: Yep. So, we can't talk about this, Jackson, without you telling us a little bit about how Squall is dead.
1: I was waiting for this. <laughs> Destiny, did you know that Squall is dead? Hang on, does Destiny know?
0: That no, is I dead? didn't talk to, I was gonna wait and let this be part of the podcast. I... I'm gonna let you two talk about this.
1: Okay, oh, Destiny.
3: He's dead? What do you school mean? School is dead.
1: Okay. So, at the end of Disc One, School died. He died. Uh, we saw him die. So he must be dead. Um, and the rest of the game is his dying dream.
3: So it's like Taxi Driver. Yep. Where did you get? I the he internet.
1: Oh, uh, okay. When Adia like stabs him through the heart in the fir- in the end of the first disc, that is where he dies.
2: Oh. Uh, and
1: the rest of the game is his like dying fantasy as he slips away into
2: nothingness
1: (laughs) so the reasoning behind this is like all the concepts that get introduced later in the game come out of nowhere which is not entirely true although it kind of is because the game doesn't like it's all about its characters and theme it's not going to explain its world it's just going to let it be there Mm -hmm. Uh, and like um the fact that school's character development just happens at the end of disc two if you're not really paying attention uh because it happened it happens so fast that you could miss the fact that it's a gradual thing rather than just a flipping on a dime because mm. it, it does feel like that for a game that's 50 hours long school's character changes in about 10 minutes uh what else the logic behind this? I can't remember what the other points
0: are behind
4: this
1: ridiculous theory. I mean, really the point is that the
0: final cutscene is, like, his actual, like, death moments as his memories, like, dissolve into nothingness. Yeah. Oh. It's dumb.
3: It is really dumb, but <laughs> I don't... The b- The best
1: thing about this theory is that while it's a dramatically, like, hilarious misreading of the text, it changes nothing about what it's actually trying to say. <laughs> yep. <laughs> like it doesn't If that was the literal text, it wouldn't actually change anyone's interpretation of its themes in any way that matters.
0: Mm-hmm.
3: No,
1: yeah. Uh, uh
0: But also also it's dumb. <laughs> it's
1: really dumb. I think it's like, super dumb. Read a book
0: and watch a movie and come back to me, kids on the internet.
1: <laughs> it's born out of this place of like Ref- refusal to admit that anything isn't just like a logic puzzle. I I went down this rabbit hole and saw people talking about this. So many people approach Final Fantasy VIII's story as a logic puzzle of like things happening th- to line up to other things happening and it- who did what to who and uh, recursive loops and Renoa's actually Ultimisha.
3: It's a it's a big old mess. It's it wait was hard for me. What to
0: what's about Renoa is actually Ultimisha? That's, that's another
3: that's
1: another
0: fan theory. Really? Renoa is
1: because ulti- R- Renoa was the last one with her powers,
0: she like uh, the, you literally fight through like twenty other sorceresses that are supposed to be the lineage from where you are to Ultimisha in the future.
1: I didn't say it was a correct theory. Okay. But the the idea behind it is that it makes the feel stronger because it is Renoa reaching back in time to be with school. That's so dumb. <laughs> um.
3: Okay.
1: Uh, there's there's more of these.
3: I um, want to find a whole list of them
2: now.
1: You you, you can. Austin uh, Howe wrote a blog post of them. Uh, <laughs> and I went. Austin Howe was originally going to be on this episode, but tragic circumstances of Laguna-esque proportions uh, meant we had to let that go.
0: He fell down. He fell down cliff. <laughs> Is he shooting a movie with a dragon?
1: (laughs) Yep, he is shooting a movie with a dragon right now. Uh, He's probably yelling at this podcast right now because of how much we all like Laguna. Um, How could you not like Laguna? He was
3: the president, and he was an actor, and he, like, (laughs) took care of that kid, and...
0: So, I'm not... I don't know, because I didn't speak to him about it, but my, my guess is that he doesn't like Laguna because Laguna basically abandons his family, but he had to go rescue alone, like... I I think it's a very Laguna choice that he decided to stay and, like, fight the good fight and not go home with alone. Mm-hmm. But I don't think it's necessarily a wrong choice. Like, someone had to do it. Yeah. And as he said, I was made the hero of the revolution, and before I knew it, 20 years had passed. Oh, he's so <laughs> chill about it. <laughs> oh, well. So we didn't mention... That- School Lagoon is the president and Squall's dad.
1: Like we didn't mention any of that, but that happens. Look,
0: if you're here, you should know. I
3: feel like him being Squall's dad is such a weird, tiny thing that, like, if you don't do this very specific thing, you don't yeah, know. No, and it's weird like that everybody knows.
0: Jackson, you knew, right? I knew, but you didn't see the dialogue that ever, like, the only dialogue in the game that tips the hand that that's the case.
1: You linked me it.
0: Yeah. But, you like, you just missed it, because it's in, like, there are literally two lines of text in the game that don't even explicitly state it, just allude to the fact. I mean, it's pretty, like, there's no other way to interpret the scene. No, I know. But I like that in a game that is supposedly based on all these twists and revelations, they actually just leave this actual, the actual revelation to... After the game ends, like the outside the frame of the text, because Final Fantasy VIII is not actually about revelations. Mm-hmm. I and also so that one can just go by the wayside.
1: I prefer Lagoon to school because I identify with him more. But the game is essentially about these two extremes reconciling in the middle, like the looking... Jackson. Yeah.
0: I dreamt I was a moron.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Like Laguna hates uh, the school. Like thinks Laguna's an idiot, and Laguna is probably wouldn't do the same in a malicious way to school, but he wouldn't understand school at all at the start. No, he'd be like, like, "Who's
0: this uptight like asshole?"
1: Yeah, like, and both of these people, like by the end, one their father and and son engaged in a epic romantic. Uh, tragedy across the ages and mm. two their arcs are about reconciling their own in internal like ways of being enough that having like the game has explicitly positioned them as opposites so if you're going to say one's the good side and one's the bad side i don't think that's a fair reading of how it presents the two
0: no for sure and also Somehow, like, imagine the conversation after they talk about Laguna being Squall's dad, where Laguna finds out who reno's parents are. <laughs> like, <laughs> what does that do to this man who has lived his life, like, in this state of failure?
3: Hmm. That's a good question. Oh,
0: man. Like, the saddest, like, you know that he's Laguna, so he'd be like, oh, that's great, like... Exuberance, but also sad Laguna standing on the hill dreaming of the time that he proposed to rain.
1: Oh, that was so sad. <sighs> Poor Laguna. Yep. I think I described Laguna's journey as the, the journey from Rikia to Kazmakiriu, and I stand by that.
0: Yeah, you wanna know what that is? Check out our Yakuza 3 podcast. <laughs> it is also
1: the most abnormal mapping character arc to ever exist.
0: <laughs> Look, I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> <laughs>
1: Someone got a future message.
0: My uh, Wii U decided to tell me that I could download Art Academy.
1: <laughs> well, hey,
0: hey, hey! Which Artie. has been doing all weekend. I just haven't told it to stop.
1: Hey, hey, hey. Art Academy's here. Hey, hey, hey! I already, hey, I, already hey.
0: I already, I already think I got out of an Art Academy game all that I'm going to get out of one.
1: Yeah, like a thousand canvases and ridiculous paint equipment. It start. It started you on this path.
0: Uh, yeah, someday I'm going to write about this, but it's not going to be by the time this podcast, well, a podcast goes up. But
1: it is not this day. This day we podcast. This day we fight. There's <laughs> <laughs> like a legal contract where we have to do that every time.
0: Yep, apparently. So, <laughs> let's talk about going to space. I forgot, we hadn't even mentioned space.
3: That's How do you feel
0: about going to space? Good. General, is it not the best? It is it's always, always the
3: best. best. I almost wish there could have been more. Like just more space, please. More uh astronaut squall adventures, please.
0: Mm-hmm. More weird space base where you have to go through like a dozen futuristic Final Fantasy screens to slow down your lunar ascension.
3: Yeah, it's pretty great.
0: How about the fact that there's a sea of monsters on the moon?
3: For some reason. Monsters straight up coming from the moon.
0: That's where they live.
1: Do they make it to Earth?
0: Who? Don't the monsters.
3: Don't you stop them? You stop yeah, them, the,
0: right? During the Lunar Cry. No. You don't stop anything.
3: Oh, I guess you're right. Yeah, you don't. So,
0: it never addresses that. Like, they, it's all oh, super
3: convoluted. You guys,
0: you guys don't know it because of the way you played the game, but after that point, the, all the monsters on the world map are way harder.
3: Oh. It's
0: how they give you the end game set of monsters all over the world.
3: We played with Ink Nun on Encounter yep. Nun. So. Because
1: we're human beings who, you know, don't have seven years of our lives to di- dictate to Final Fantasy Eight.
0: Yeah. <laughs> and there's some interest, like, it, just nerdery stuff after playing this game too many times. But there's interesting allusions to the fact in that, like, back at the Dalit mission, the reason that it's really important that they're going after a satellite dish is because radio waves don't work in the Final Fantasy universe because the radiation from the moon and all the monsters.
1: Oh man, the the journey in the state of the world and the character wide, just the what Final Fantasy VIII is at the start compared to what it is by the end.
0: Yeah, it's such like a dense <laughs> thing. <laughs> There's and a it gap. Do, Like it doesn't really, like it doesn't care to like show off its world building very much. No, like that's the thing I admire. Like you look at we we've complained about thirteen a lot, but you look at the dumb. Data log in thirteen and how there's a bit of text to explain every dumb Final Fantasy name, and you look at eight that just has revelations that are just implied and not explicitly uh, said by anything.
1: I would and it's love. Stunning. I would love for y- for you specifically to play a remake of Final Fantasy eight that just turns it into Final Fantasy thirteen and rewrites it to be that. Do you just
0: want me to be grumpy and sad <laughs> for like forty hours. <laughs>
1: like imagine if they just establish school's character by. Three different five-minute monologues in the early game where he goes, "I don't talk to people because this is why."
0: <laughs> it would so it would open with the Dalit mission. Yep, and it w- like people would be talking about Seed, but it wouldn't explain Seed until five hours in. <laughs> but there'd be a data log that you go read to tell you all about Seed, and it would tell you about Norg, and it would tell you about Sid, and how they founded the Garden with Adia. But you wouldn't know when Adia shows up and is the sorceress; they're one and the same.
1: Final Fantasy, and then Adia would
0: have a big long monologue, and Sid would have a big long monologue about how they miss each other.
1: Video <laughs> games. Turn every other Final Fantasy to Final Fantasy Thirteen,
0: and then instead of like getting together just in the credit sequence, one of them would turn a crystal instead.
1: <laughs> They're actually finding a foul sea. Uh,
0: also. Squall doesn't love hot dogs. He loves something with, like, three apostrophes in it. (laughs) (laughs) It looks like a hot dog. It's utterly indistinguishable, other than it's probably purple, but it's not a hot dog.
1: What if they remade Final Fantasy VIII, but they changed Squall's character to be Snow?
0: (laughs) (sighs) (sighs) That would be terrible. He'd just be Seifer.
1: (laughs) That's actually true. Uh, I wanna <laughs> ask Destiny and myself a question specifically. How do we as people who have only played seven and eight, how do we compare the two? I know we shouldn't, because that's bad. Uh, um what we thinking. Now we've now I we've ask, done. Uh,
0: to, to po- I wanna point out Destiny has played ten and Jackson, you've played thirteen. Yes.
3: Oh, and true. I played part of ten too. Okay. Um, I preferred eight as far as like the way the battles worked i like gathering the magic i like not having to deal with mp i um like the way the guardian forces are done so you don't always have to use them to like win every battle and it just sort of um i mean i guess seven isn't like that either they're both kind of heavy on the limit breaks seven, how sevens are games... way
1: more straightforward rpg systems wise it doesn't allow you to break yeah. it in the same way you just kind I of like have to fight the battles and grind yeah
3: yeah i like the variation Story-wise, I found seven easier to follow, which is hilarious because they're both hella convoluted. I just think I don't know, the once you get into like time travel stuff, I'm just kind of lost. I'm a little. I don't. I don't, I don't think know. it's the time travel stuff that makes eight more complicated. It's more that eight
1: doesn't explain anything or give you a hook. Like seven has a nonsense revelation halfway through, and it goes deep into what happened there and it's the most convoluted thing but for the game you are cloud you are chasing sephiroth and sephiroth is bad because of this like it gives you a villain it gives you a protagonist it gives you a party and it doesn't change those like it
0: seven literally has the rpg trope of oh your home village burned down
3: yeah yeah and maybe just that basicness Just was how I found it easier to follow. And I didn't dislike it. I actually ended up really enjoying it. I just, I don't know, um. It's an exhausting game while you're, before you finished it. Yeah, it kind of dragged on me a little. And it could have just been circumstances under which I was playing. We were kind of crunched for time. Mm -hmm. So it could have been that. I don't know, but it it definitely felt like a harder game to get through.
1: I'd agree with that. I, Jackson, I feel like. I understand why 8 is a more ambitious and like well executed work because it's it's like thematically so dense and um and assured in what it's saying that I appreciate that on a formal level more than anything 7 does but the story that 7 was telling just connected more i don't know if that's true i'm more like the ways the story eight was telling connected in more complicated ways whereas seven ended up being a feel-good adventure to watch cloud go from the most reserved person to someone who could be a human being with others i i also think one of the best things in um seven was the way I i think they handle their central twists in 180 degree different ways uh seven focuses specifically on Tifa and the other characters and how they react to Cloud's breakdown, and it makes clear that that doesn't happen in a vacuum and that all these other people have to be con- considered, and it, it's an interconnected web of characters. Whereas, um, eight is sc- the school show in the back half, and Renaud yeah. is there as well, but she really only, uh, like that love story is school story, yeah. Uh, and I, I prefer that about Seven's approach,
3: I guess okay. so too. It's more of an ensemble. Everybody Mm -hmm. kind of gets their ending, and it's like they don't feel like side characters. They actually feel like like your party members actually have more uh, of their interior lives revealed, and I liked that. And I I like it felt like more of a complete story in that end.
1: Well, in seven, like a a character falls into a, a coma, and they have to go rescue them. But in seven, it's Cloud, and you are you are removed from your protagonist, whereas. In and like and that's what fuels the love story is stepping inside Tifa's head for a bit, and you never get that same intimacy with Rinoa's, uh way of being. I felt,
3: and she's removed from the story so much, like mm-hmm. with the the situations that she falls into. Like I, like that, that's essentially my main criticism
1: of Eight Story is I like its themes a lot. I think its arcs work well but I don't know how much the love story connects to me because Renoa's character is uh, more distant than Tifa's was. I know the, at least you said for Teen, you thought 8 was the most romantic thing ever. So I want to hear Matt's opinion of Eight's All love right, story. So
0: here's our final, Fantasy? my final thought on Final Fantasy 8. <laughs> so yes, like how that game came out in 99, right? It'd be 14, 14 mm-hmm. year old me, like, I remember, like, just being distraught, like, in pouring tears at, like, Squall carrying, uh, Renoa down the train tracks after he's like, this is the thing I have to do. This is what I have to pursue. Like, Squall deciding, no matter what happens, Renoa, I'll be, like, your, like, I'll be, like, he literally tells her, I will be your sorceress's knight, like, same as Seifer. And that stuff, like, really spoke to, like, teen me who hadn't unpacked a lot of, like, the problems with the kind of story, like, the romance that it's presented. Mm-hmm. Like, not only is it, like, obviously, like, it's, it's, like, a straight, like, really simple love story, but it's precluded on a lot of, like, like, very gendered stereotypes and squalls, like, squall takes precedence over everyone, which is, fine with, like, I, I know that's the story's intent, but, like, it it totally would be nice to have more of what is feeling. And they hint at it, but it's not enough, really, to justify how little time she gets in that game. Mm-hmm. Um Adult Me, I like, this is still, like, a super important game to me. Yeah. Like, it would be, even if I hated it this time, it would have still been really important to me. Mm-hmm. But the things I find myself really responding to are Squall as this, like, person who had to, like, raise himself and then how he learns to undo a lot of the things he like needed as survival mechanisms mm-hmm. in order to be a human being that can like feel things and have friends and yeah like that's stuff that like i've i had to work on as someone who like was in the same place where he started at and like is in a better place now like that journey speaks a lot to me mm-hmm. like squall just On the balcony at the end, like, able to smile and, like, actually be the one who, like, walks over to Renoa and wraps his arms around her. Like, that's a huge deal to me. Mm
3: -hmm. That makes Uh,
0: sense. And, like, like that's the stuff that I I can't not. Like, this game is still, like, one of my favorite stories in games because it actually speaks to my own experience. Yeah. In a way that most things don't. Mm -hmm.
3: That makes sense. It makes a ton of sense.
0: Mm Mm-hmm. That said, I think the battle system's terrible. I hate it. I oh hate really it so much. what do you yep.
3: hate specifically just having to get so much magic so
0: like it's clearly an experiment in trying to break like break the bad habits of turn based RPGs and that oh, like we want we want people to use magic so we're gonna take away MP, but because your magic's your stats, like it doesn't actually achieve that. I think it requires too many menus to do basically anything that you want to achieve with its system. Uh, I think it, it, it's easy to rely too much on Guardian Forces if you're playing it, like, quote-unquote wrong, like, if you're underleveled or something.
3: okay. But
0: also, because everything comes out of Guardian Forces, I feel like the characters aren't really, like, like, there's no, like, I don't feel like I'm doing anything other than, like, shuffling numbers around. Like, I don't feel like my characters are growing and getting better, even when I equip them with things that make them grow and get better. Really? Um... Uh, like we'll talk about it when we get to like something like 9 but even 7 kind of has it where like you like the you kind of end up with a lot of inertia on what characters have like my Tifa always had steel and when steel evolved to mug it felt like a really big change to who she was and how she played and i don't i don't feel like i get any of that when i just toss some abilities onto my characters through the guardian force menu and call it good okay
1: mm-hmm. i think 7 actually had a really good combination of like you can make these characters what you want, but also they have their own identity. No one mm-hmm. has an identity in the battle system. Like, I can't think of a game, a- a- apart from the th- thematic idea of relying on these GFs, um, mm-hmm. I can't think of a game more removed from uh, its battle system and its story than Final Fantasy VIII.
4: Mm-hmm.
3: I guess they are pretty, like, like the, the abilities make everybody kind of samey. You're kind mm-hmm. of right. Uh,
1: but i like it on the level of like i can either download a save or i can go and grind and then i can I just would, turn it in i so would that.
0: like to see the ideas in that game explored again in like a game that has like more like a game that tries it with the lessons learned from eight
1: i, I that must exist that must exist right, right. It must probably but i don't
0: i don't know of it so. ask rick but, uh, yeah, I, like this is a game that I love the world of. Like I just want to exist in things like Windhill and Fisherman's Horizon. I love its sound and its look and I love its story, but like I don't, I don't like playing it. And that's, that's kind of a bummer, but I kind of suspected that was going to be the case going in. Mm-hmm. And part of it is I don't play any game like I originally played Final Fantasy VIII. And I don't intend to ever play a game like that again.
1: You're not 14 anymore.
0: It can't be done. Yeah, I'm not, I'm not gonna play Triple Triad for an entire summer. <laughs> I'm just, I'm just not. And that's, that's okay. Like, it's, it's good that I'm not a person who would do that again. here for segment four we have some questions if you want to ask us a question and you're not dylan who asks stupid questions every single time <laughs> dylan we want real goddamn questions what's wrong with you you can send us a question at podcast abnormal mapping.com
1: the answer Jackson. is yes a final fantasy 8 would be so much better if the card game was Oh. <laughs>
0: No, it wouldn't. Fuck
3: off. <laughs> the card game is hard. I failed as soon as I started, and then I never played it I again. I think
0: I think it's telling that of all the Final Fantasy mini games, it's the one that keeps coming back, and it had a physical edition, and it's great. I it's, love it. It's actually a really cool card game. I like it, but...
3: Anything's it's... better than Blitzball. Let's be real. Yeah,
0: let's be real. Um <laughs> One
1: day I'm gonna play Blitzball, and I'm gonna be like, Jesus Christ, Blitzball. You're gonna Jackson? it. Jackson, yes. ask us a question. Uh, Stephen Byrne wrote in with, uh, More seriously, because he was goofing before, but he did send in a serious question. What's the thematic importance of Norg in Final Fantasy VIII dramatic structure? This seems like a wanky pointless question, but it's been on my mind lately how weird the character placement is, where the significance of his characterization is only revealed by an obscure, vaguely pointless side quest, which obviously makes it interesting to me.
0: So we didn't talk about this in the main game, but there is the Shumi Village side quest. Yes. In which you have to go and talk to people and run errands to discover that the Shumis are people who, like, basically they, like, Eevee evolve into a bunch of different forms based on what they're good at.
4: Mm -hmm.
0: And, uh, Norg was one of those, I guess. He was a Shumi. Yep. I like the Shumi quest in that it, like, explains that, like, Moombas are, like, the zen pure state of Shumis. And that makes Moombas really cool. It does. Uh, But I actually don't. I don't have any opinion about Norg. I actually think he's, like, the weirdest thing in the plot. So, Jackson, you said you had something.
1: Uh, not about Norg's nature as Ashimi, but, like, the, the the scene of when you fight Norg and that stuff, I like that because uh, it's this moment where you realize uh, the ways that things perpetuate... And what, if any adult was, like, sensible adult was in control of the situation, they'd probably do what Norg would do. Like, Norg is this, uh, the garden who hates Sid and everything. But logically, he's right. He's like, okay, everything is fucked. Adia is destroying everything. Um, we should give these, um, chill, we should give the assassination team over to her and that would calm everything down. Like, that, as a political move, makes. A, a large amount of sense and norg's importance to me is there has to be this moment where that comes up and you push through it in order to uh say the importance of what seed really is because without that you they like seed is just taken as like the way things are and they just fight for good but mm-hmm. uh norg being there uh cements the point of um a seed's quest against the sorceresses and and how that is how it is. So I actually think Norg's fight so, is really important thematically.
0: Um, what's interesting to me is that like I've kind of joked about it with you guys in various Skype calls that Sid is actually just the most ineffectual human <laughs> being in the world. <laughs> He's a mess. <nurse>. Uh, <laughs> and you like they explain that like Adia had the, a dream of Seed, which you find out was generated by Squall in the time loop, but. She had the Dream of Seed, and Norg was, like, the money. Like, he fronted all of the things that built the gardens. Um, and Sid kind of just ends up being, like, the figurehead of it all. And it's interesting in that, like... I, I actually hadn't really considered it, but it's you deciding, I'm going to go down into the basement and take care of this problem and kill Norg that pushes Sid to put you in charge. Yeah, Like... Sid clearly is not capable of being in charge of anything. And the minute the actual, like, person behind the throne is gone, he just gives it to the next person in line, which is a a child who clearly has no business being in charge of anything.
1: But also, (laughs) the the other way of thinking is a very adult, logical way of thinking, and school fighting against that is, like, his romantic dream or whatever of, no, we can do this and save everybody and fight through the, um like political situation that has emerged here and take out the true bad guy. Like it it makes total sense to me why you would go from Norg being in charge, which uh, brings the garden to ruin, even though it comes out of a very illogical and cynical place, to hmm. School being in charge, who, despite himself, even at the start, is actually represents the garden this idealism uh, that he doesn't see in himself until way later in the game. That's fair.
0: Destiny, did you have anything to add?
3: Not really.
0: Okay. I have a question.
3: Yes. Yes.
0: Matthew Mockham. Now that we're, now that we're a little further into it and we've completed Final Fantasy VIII, how do you feel about Final Fantasy VII Remake?
3: Oh, I, I'm worried about the changes that might happen to the story. Cause I, I heard rumors that they were going to change story stuff.
0: So they, they specifically it said that they are, they are Open to making changes, they will not include characters from like Crisis core um and they said explicitly stuff like cloud cross dressing is going to be in the game
3: Oh, well, um as long as it isn't super drastic i don't I don't expect it to be that big of a deal. I'm gonna play it because I have to know.
1: I am not excited for the day when all your favorite Barrett lines become the most racist things when spoken out loud.
3: I assume they'll fix that, but um, <laughs> maybe I'm too hopeful. I mean,
0: we we saw Advent Children where Barrett managed to become even worse. Oh, good. Just by giving him a voice. Good
1: point, guys. <laughs> the guy that's... We can love... Ain't no getting off this train we're on right now, but in... 2085 when the final if they get actual
0: finished. mr t to say ain't hey, no getting off this train we're on we have some problems <laughs>
1: uh my agile answer is uh, i the advent children aesthetic and everything about the way final fantasy 7 is received outside of what it is uh is, like, I didn't want to play Seven because of how it was received, and it turned out to be the complete opposite game of every cultural cue I had picked up on what Seven was. Like, really? Exact- yeah. Like, Did I we knew- talk
3: it- about that before? I think
1: so. I think a little bit.
3: but because okay.
1: no, Cloud is cool, dark, mercenary man, hero, and he's, like, at the end of that game, he is
0: just a dork who wants some friends. I kind of like that that's not the cultural like awareness of that game but i admit that the things afterwards betray the text of the game
3: it's yeah. true and think cuz
0: i like i like that even today someone who is really into video games can go into seven and not know what seven is like you're playing metal gear but you kind of know what metal gear is
2: yeah
0: uh but you didn't know that was seven and that's a game that you thought you knew all of mhm dies yeah what oh, if cloud dies this time <laughs> what if Eris doesn't die?
3: What if, I don't think they're going to go that far. What if they give you the option to save her though? What if Tifa what if, dies?
0: Yeah, I was, <laughs> was going to ask that. What if Tifa dies? If Tifa dies, I'm deleting it and breaking the disc, and I'll post a vine on Twitter. No, I was about I'll,
3: to say, if Tifa
1: dies, it's the worst game ever. But what if they do something interesting with what happens if Tifa dies? And Jeez. he like, I assume like it would end with Sephiroth winning and Cloud never being able to figure his shit out if he if like him and Eris are actually a thing. That's what not
0: if, how that's going to go. What if Tifa doesn't wear her Advent Children outfit and she's just bouncy boobs and mini skirts what, for 50 hours? What
1: if it's the highest death, but it still has the PlayStation 1, uh, just rock boobs?
3: <laughs> <laughs> I just don't Are we going think... to
0: see Elena and Tifa slap fight in 3D?
3: Oh, can't wait for that. That's gonna be funny. I just don't think they're gonna change, like things that were well remembered because of the way this whole thing seems to be banking on nostalgia i i
1: wonder how much what they're
3: doing will change context
1: of the like if it is an honest remake that would be cool but i'm wondering like what an honest remake becomes when you change the aesthetic of that game to the post seven aesthetic like if
0: as i say i don't think i don't think you can make like what it is is going to be different by the very nature that it is but i
1: wonder how that will change like you you can have the same story with identical themes and everything uh and like portray cloud properly but if you do it through that visual and i assume audio aesthetic of advent children i don't know how that just changes it as a thing and i'm interested like i'm gonna play it i'm interested to find out i have to know
0: Okay. We have another question. Uh,
1: Rick. Rick. I didn't look up your last name. I'm bad at things. He's Uh, Rick. He's Rick. Hang on. Rick Danville. No, Davnall. I can't talk. Rick Davnall. Eat the pen on Twitter. Go follow him for your uh, tragic story through a man forced to play every single Gen 7 RPG.
0: (laughs) If you want to know... (laughs) What a man who loves Gen Seven RPGs looks like. It's uh, well, one just Google like trash pile, <laughs>
3: but then two,
0: go follow at Eat the Pen. Yeah, he's a great
3: guy,
1: uh, and he asks, "What effect, if any, do you think the shift in progression away, f- progression emphasis away from linear XP accumulation and leveling, has on the pacing of the story? Can you think of other games that do something similar?"
0: So once you get Ink Nun, it makes it great. Before that, it's intolerable. Mm-hmm. I like the, like, Oops All Boss Fights version of Final Fantasy. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, the thing that... Uh, so, the thing that I think of, and it's the, kind of the only thing I think of, is Bravely Default. Allowing you to turn off encounters. Mm-hmm. And how it turns a game that is actually a really grindy, traditional game into let's explore the world and just power through the bosses. Like, it makes you hyper focus on the actual formal structure of go into the space fight the boss go to the next place fight the boss um i i kind of don't so i think it really works for a story heavy heavy game but i don't like to play that way like i really kind of want an rpg that i can kind of grind in like i like an rpg where i can sit on skype and hang out with my friends before bed and just like get some levels
1: yeah i'm kind of the same way I think it has that, but it's, you do it all in one go and then you're set for the rest of the game. Yeah. Like, the time, like, I spent hours when we did the first half of the game grinding and doing the card game on Skype, and that was fine because I was on Skype and it was cool, but after that it was just plain sailing. Uh, I can, in terms of what I can compare it to, I think you could compare that to like, we were talking last time about open world games, I think that's a big one. I actually think this the, the big similarity is something like a GTA. Hmm. Like, in terms of, you have a story, and then you just stop to go do the side quests that gives you more things, uh, and you have to fill off all the other things in your map, and then you come back to the story, and it treats
0: you like you've uh, never been away. Like, and, uh, see, it's weird, cause like, I know you have a lot of dissonance with that, and I love that about RPGs. Mm-hmm.
3: It doesn't bother me. I, no. Like
0: a game that doesn't have a bunch of side quests is a, it, like it's fine, but I I I don't like I feel like I'm not at home in the same way.
1: I don't think that a game shouldn't have a bunch of side quests. In eight, my specific complaint was f- the placement of them in terms of the story. They made no sense to me.
0: Whereas, like, formalistically for Final Fantasy, you get the airship, like, you get the garden, which is, like, vehicle one, and it unlocks some side quests. And then you get the airship, and that's vehicle two, and it unlocks even more side quests.
1: You get the airship at the moment Laguna delivers you the speech to say, here's the end of the game.
0: Sure, like, the the structure of, I like, the thing is, every Final Fantasy has a moment where right before the end, the rest of the side quests unlock. Mm -hmm. Like, I think every RPG has that. Kind of, Yeah.
1: Uh, Persona structured in a very different way.
0: Persona, Persona is a game with, like almost without side quests. It like, gives it you has, the missions,
3: which are it kind has, of it has, side quests.
0: It has the like the yeah the mini quests, but a nobody does them because they don't matter. Like they're literally just MMO quests in the structure that doesn't really support it. And B the actual... like. The actual side quest formal is S-links, and you're S-linking right up to the last minute. You just don't think about it.
1: Yeah, well, it, it, it merges those two way better. I'm trying to th- I'm trying to think how like, Lost Odyssey the idea has that, side quests. Like, the idea that
0: Lost Odyssey doesn't have very many.
1: It oh, has a few, but, like, the moment it breaks to do it is a better moment than it. Like, um, 8 breaks at the, like, the end of Mass Effect 2 twist. But,
0: but uh, like, Persona, like... Like, Persona 3, it's like, oh, everyone's sick and the world is dying. And you're like, well, let's go hang with Tanaka and talk to him about capitalism. I mean,
1: let's... (laughs) Like, you can
0: do that. Let's. Yeah, sure, but like... And that's great, but that's the same dissonance you're describing. I don't think it's the same dissonance, because it's built into the structure of that game i don't i I don't agree with you
1: persona is specifically about the fact that you the you that is just hanging out with people and the you that is saving the world have to exist at the same time for the other one to exist like that is the core concern I think, of those I think games. persona
0: four is that I don't think persona three is that
2: um
3: I don't know what I think I'm trying to think like I agree about persona four I'd have to really think about it with persona three I think persona three still is that I think it. Instead of
1: addressing its dissonance and making it part of the text, it also just allows its dissonance to exist and has loftier thematic aims.
0: Mm, I'm not sure the awareness is as high as you give it credit for. In 3. Yeah, in 3.
1: They just don't care. They're like, this is the structure, this is how it is. And what
0: I'm saying is Final Fantasy also doesn't care that by the time you get the airship and Laguna's like, go save the world, you can also go and just like get a cactar and fight Bahamut. Mm -hmm. I'm saying they're the same thing and that's okay. I don't know. I,
1: I, I feel like they're different, but I, you've argued me into a place where I'm not sure why anymore.
0: <laughs> okay. Uh, we have one final question.
1: Uh, JM, a friend on Twitter, asks a bunch of questions, but we're going to answer one. Uh, how did the Batman die?
0: Christopher Nolan. Christopher Nolan.
1: Now, this question is actually in reference to Arkham uh, knight which the e3 trailer ended on like a dramatic voiceover going and this is the story of how the batman died <laughs> and wants to know uh so uh, neither none of us bought arkham night because we're good people but we did find out the answer for you the listener, I had, so
0: i had to know because arkham asylum is like I think, uh, like, one of the most amazing games of last gen, I think it's really important, and every game since has been a plummeting descent into garbage. (laughs) Like, if you want to understand why AAA games are terrible, look at what happened between Arkham Asylum and down into Origins and Night. Like, the end of Night is just fucking most bullshit up its own ass thing I've ever seen. I hate it so goddamn much. And I like I can't believe I hate anything worse than Batman bringing Alfred back to life with his electric punch gloves. <laughs> but they found the fucking thing.
3: Huh?
1: At the end of Arkham okay, Origins... Let's, let's, let's do a little bit of setup.
0: Uh, at the end of Arkham Origins, Batman, like, the Joker, finds out where the Batcave is. Or no, Bane, it's Bane. Finds out where the Batcave is and attacks Alfred... And then Alfred's, like, dying, and Batman uses the electric punch gloves you get because it's a video game and you need to, like, jumpstart generators to bring Alfred back to life by jumpstarting his heart.
3: Oh, my goodness. Doesn't
1: Alfred then, like, say, I can't believe you put me in at risk, and then two seconds later calls up and say, NP!
0: Yep, pretty much. They have a big fight about how Alfred's like, I can't believe that you're doing this, even though I've been helping you for literally, like... Ever to gather these abil- like to gather this technology and hone your abilities and then the minute you're out into the street where you're punching dudes over and over again, he's like, I'm sorry, and Batman's like, It's okay, I love you, fake dad. <laughs> <laughs> uh so Arkham Knight,
1: how the Batman dies it's amazing. It's What
3: happens?
0: Um so, Spoilers.
3: Yeah, spoiler uh, alert.
0: Jackson, since I guess you're editing segment two, you get to put in the timestamp of when we stop talking about this. Okay. Which goes here. (laughs) Oi! You wanna find out how the Batman died? Please go forward to one hour, 44 minutes, and 33 seconds. See you there. Same bat time. Same bat channel. Cheerio. Okay, Jackson, tell us about the end of Arkham Knight.
1: So in Arkham City, uh, <laughs> there is a increasing progression of... Mm, increasingly stupid joker reveals at the end of every single arkham game
0: uh, so no but like basically in arkham city joker is dying because of some blood disease and at some point they, he gives batman a blood transfusion in order to like make batman understand but also maybe to kill batman and batman gets it fixed what? supposedly
1: yeah batman cheers himself and joker dies and he walks out like holding joker's body and uh that's the end of city so in arkham knight the Joker's dead there's no more joker no more joker except
0: he except that joker's memetic legacy <laughs> lives on in batman's blood and the end of that game you play as the joker inside bruce wayne's brain what i don't okay so it's
3: like he he takes over batman so batman's the joker now well, The
1: implication is, like, Batman's only Batman because he's fighting his Joker side. He's only he, Like, he's insane deep down, which is the grossest, most ablest fucking thing. And to be fair, Arkham Asylum had its you, massive you know, share it's, of ableist garbage. But yeah. it just takes it to a whole other level where the Scarecrow injects you with shit and then the camera, like, turns around and you're a Joker and it's a first-person shooter and it says, RT to fire gun. And you're just yep.
0: indiscriminately murdering people. No. Like... Kind of, but what actually happens is that inside Bruce Wayne's brain, you are the Joker in basically Bioshock shooting Batman statues that sneak up on you like it's Doctor Who. So,
3: the Joker, so Batman becomes the Joker and there's no more Batman?
0: No, no, it just happens in his brain when he's under the effects of Scarecrow's fear gas. In reality, Bruce Wayne's just strapped to a table and all of this isn't real. Yeah.
3: Oh, that's so stupid. But
0: the climax of that game is a first-person shooter sequence where you play as the dead Joker inside <laughs> Bruce Wayne's brain, shooting Batman statues that don't actually attack you. <laughs> I, I And then how the Batman actually dies, is even dumber than that. Is, is that after that's done and you stab the Joker or the Scarecrow with his own fear toxin, which, which I, I think is the cruelest thing Batman could ever do to a human being. To be fair, he does that in like every fiction with the scarecrow
3: really who
0: thinks like anytime he encounters a scarecrow it ends with the scarecrow getting gassed with his own gas and freaking out
3: oh you know what that's true batman begins ends. yeah with i was about to say that happens in batman begins i was
0: just about to yeah say and batman begins ends with him like m- pl- pl- platituding away murdering qui-gon jim <laughs> so then after that happens batman says well we took care of the scarecrow this one time and i've mowed down all of these villains with my batmobile even though that doesn't seem to murder them the city is safe forever. Let's stop being no, Batman. No. and no.
1: It happens because he is revealed as Bruce Wayne. Oh, right. Uh, like, there's a live stream on YouTube where this, the um, uh, Scarecrow is like, let's reveal who the Batman is. And everyone goes, oh, it's Bruce Wayne. It's Bruce Wayne. And then the yep. ending of like the main quest is the final conversation you have before you go back to the open world is, if it's all the same to you, we'll stick to Batman.
0: <laughs> huh? <laughs> <laughs> like some guard who's taking Scarecrow back to jail it's, is like it's
1: Aaron Cash who is the, the guard from the first game.
0: Sure, but he's like, thanks. If it's all the same to you, we'll stick to Batman. Because <laughs> like another guard's like, oh, is that really Bruce Wayne? Oh, yep. which is
1: entirely the,
3: sense. entirely
1: to justify the fact that there's still more video game to go. And when you complete the quests, my reaction. to You were listening in on to my reaction watching this. He schedules a press conference. As Bruce Wayne, and I was like, is he gonna just I am Iron Man this shit? And you're like, no, it's way dumber. And then Alfred, <laughs> I said,
0: is he about to blow up his mansion with him inside? And then, bat, like, the press are gathered outside Wayne Manor, the Batmobile lands, Bruce Wayne walks out and walks into Wayne Manor in his bat suit. Alfred's like, are you sure you wanna do this? He's like, yes. And the door closes, and then Wayne Manor explodes.
2: What?
1: Implying that he killed himself and Alfred in but, order Go
0: yeah. on. No th- though, though like that's what he expects people to believe, even though he's the goddamn Batman, no, of course he's not dead. N- no human being on earth actually believes that Batman is dead at that point. No. Except the except that Commissioner Gordon fucking narrates about how and Batman sacrifice saved Batman the died. city.
1: Which makes no sense whatsoever. And then somehow the Rapper on top of this, the third hidden 100% ending.
0: The fucking turd on top of this already <laughs> heaping shit sandwich. I
3: noticed. <laughs> it's.
1: It, it's. Uh. Um. It's man and a woman and a child come out of the opera and they get into a back alley and they get held up by gunmen. And oh,
3: <laughs> whoa. Whoa.
1: <laughs> yeah, no, you, yeah? Yeah? no, uh. Yeah, and. But then. But then they turn to their right. And this, like, the dad's about to get shot, just like Batman's dad. But what's this? It's Batman standing on a roof, and he jumps the camera, turns into flame, and it cuts the credits. (laughs) What?
3: what? Repeat that last part? He turns into flame?
1: He turns into flame. He also turns into flame when he uh, attacks Scarecrow.
3: Oh my gosh. What are they even trying to do?
0: make a video game that sells, like, six million copies.
3: They're really famous, And guess what?
0: They, they probably did that really well. Oh,
3: no. That's the worst oh, part. Oh, no. The,
1: the transition from Arkham Asylum to Arkham Knight is, like, one of the best adaptations of a character to, a like, a playable form to one of the... Like, it is unthinkable how much they misunderstand what Batman is in that game. There are stealth sections with a tank.
0: Yep. <laughs> Where, when Batman run like drives through the city and runs over people. They're just stunned. Don't worry about it. Yeah.
1: He runs uh, over people and just gives them a bzzzt and says that, that it's non-lethal. Also, all the uh, vehicles you bought are unmanned drones. Yeah.
0: <laughs> so that's sure. how the Batman died. Jackson, you're going to have to put in a timestamp. We can't actually... Because since we record this in two parts, we can't actually tell you what that timestamp is <laughs> right now. Yeah,
3: we'll so. put it in later.
0: So... We're done with the spoilers. We're done with the fucking podcast. This ended up going really long.
1: And you thought we needed a segment too. What are we doing next month, Jackson? We are playing Her Story, the game by Sam Barlow? Okay. I think that's it. I don't know. He's a guy on Twitter who okay. uh, people uh, are talking about. I was like, we. Should, I don't know if I want to do a current game. And then I was like, what am I thinking? I don't want to be spoiled on this. I'm going to go play Her Story. Uh,
0: and...
3: Yeah. Have you already played it then all the way through?
1: Not all the way through, but I'm a good way in.
3: Okay.
0: Um. And uh, the one caveat is we are like we've talked a lot in this podcast about how we talked about ate a lot off the mic because we spent about three months playing it. We are not going to talk to each other about her story at all until we record the next time. mapping.
1: I explicitly want to go on the record as saying this is the wrong decision,
4: but.
0: Yeah, he... I want to have. I want to have the discussion. I think it'd be interesting.
1: I think I'm... so too. But I think you need you having like a detective story in front of you, playing it together, and the same PC. That's like the best video game imaginable. You
0: can't throw that away for this. No, because what I actually want is the discussion of we're all presented with the same facts and we all come to different conclusions like, because we didn't talk about it. Like
3: Rashomon, right? But it'll be the Rashomon man, episode of
0: Abnormal Man. Map one
3: problem. of you's got
1: to be. I know, I know it'll lead to a really interesting discussion, but you want your detective partner there to be like, that sounds just like my, you know, that's just like my ex-wife. That's and <laughs> Order, right? That's Brisco.
0: I
3: don't watch well, Law and Order, so I don't know. Uh,
0: dun, dun. If, you're, if, if you're right that this was the way we would have done it, I will apologize formally on the air next episode.
1: Okay, well, I know you, and you won't do that, because you will be right, because you're the most stubborn person I know.
0: Yeah. <laughs> I've been wrong before You've been wrong, wrong a lot <laughs> Thanks Destiny You know if, I I, like I, thing if anybody I said else was would know I would know Since this is going to be your last appearance Destiny Tell people where they can <coughs> find you after you're kicked off this <coughs> fucking podcast
3: I can be found at com and at FridgeBuzz now On Twitter
0: Jackson where can people
1: find you I can be found at Headfuls Off on Twitter com to find anything else I do And I'm also on Trashback Ratio. Plug your other podcast, please. Oh, we started The Goof Zone. Episode two is out now. Um, yeah. yeah.
0: I'm excited to listen to it. Uh, what, I haven't heard it as of this.
1: I haven't edited it yet. And it's in a, a dire state in terms of the editing stuff. So I, it should be out Monday. It might be out Tuesday. We, one day we're going to get on track with that. But it is... Um, Not this day. I wasn't going to say it. I was just going to let it hang there. This day we fight. I was going <laughs> to let it hang there and make you uncomfortable.
0: <laughs> you can find me at Late Rock on Twitter. This website's at Normal Mapping. You probably knew that. Uh, apparently no one realized or someone didn't realize you know who you are that we do extensive show notes that list the music played and we write up a cool thing i have fan fiction the yakuza 3 write up like come on (laughs) if
1: we're ever subtweeting anyone on this podcast it's usually Dylan. by the way
0: at (laughs) abnormal mapping.com check us out on youtube by the time this goes up fallout 3 or fallout new vegas will be going lego star wars will be going The Castlevania two will probably be going every day, and Legend of Zelda will be going every day. We'll have four videos a day on every weekday, and two on the weekends. Really scary. Right?
1: That's two. Wait, that's a lot. No, no, Zelda's not running on the weekends.
0: Oh, okay. One on the weekends. I'll still be playing Castlevania.
1: Hopefully, at some point. Hopefully, my I have a computer situation that'll allow me to play Mario three when you finish Castlevania two. But I not. Yep. If that's not taken care of, we'll figure something out. Yep. At least I finish Mario two.
0: Yeah, sure. Just... The one that's not a real Mario.
1: I'm raising my middle finger at you right now. Bye! Bye!